chapter thirty four of the pilot by james fenimore cooper this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter thirty four whither midst falling dew while glow the heavens with the last steps of day far through their rosy depths dost thou pursue thy solitary way bryant when the young seaman who now commanded the frigate descended from the quarter-deck in compliance with the often repeated summons he found the vessel restored to the same neatness as if nothing had occurred to disturb its order the gun-deck had been cleansed of its horrid stains and the smoke of the fight had long since ascended through the hatches and mingled with the clouds that flitted above the ship as he walked along the silent batteries even the urgency of his visit could not prevent him from glancing his eyes towards the splintered sides those terrible vestiges by which the paths of the shot of their enemy might be traced and by the time he tapped lightly at the door of the cabin his quick look had embraced every material injury the vessel had sustained in her principal points of defence the door was opened by the surgeon of the frigate who as he stepped aside to permit griffith to enter shook his head with that air of meaning which in one of his profession is understood to imply the abandonment of all hopes and then immediately quitted the apartment in order to attend to those who might profit by his services the reader is not to imagine that griffith had lost sight of cecilia and her cousin during the occurrences of that eventful day on the contrary his troubled fancy had presented her terror and distress even in the hottest moments of the fight in the instant that the crew were called from their guns he had issued an order to replace the bulkheads of the cabin and to arrange its furniture for their accommodation though the higher and imperious duties of his station had precluded his attending to their comfort in person he expected therefore to find the order of the rooms restored but he was by no means prepared to encounter the scene he was now to witness between two of the sullen cannon which gave such an air of singular wildness to the real comfort of the cabin was placed a large couch on which the colonel was lying evidently near his end cecilia was weeping by his side her dark ringlets falling in unheeded confusion around her pale features and sweeping in their rich exuberance the deck on which she kneeled catherine leaned tenderly over the form of the dying veteran while her dark tearful eyes seemed to express self-accusation blended with deep commiseration a few attendants of both sexes surrounded the solemn scene all of whom appeared to be under the influence of the hopeless intelligence which the medical officer had but that moment communicated the servants of the ship had replaced the furniture with a care that mocked the dreadful struggle that so recently disfigured the warlike apartment and the stout square frame of boltrope occupied the opposite settee his head resting on the lap of the captain's steward and his hand gently held in the grasp of his friend the chaplain griffith had heard of the wound of the master but his own eyes now conveyed the first intelligence of the situation of colonel howard when the shock of this sudden discovery had a little subsided the young man approached the couch of the latter and attempted to express his regret and pity in a voice that afforded an assurance of his sincerity 
say no more edward griffith interrupted the colonel waving his hand feebly for silence it seemeth to be the will of god that this rebellion should triumph and it is not for vain man to impeach the acts of omnipotence to my erring faculties it wears an appearance of mystery but doubtless it is to answer the purpose of his own inscrutable providence i have sent for you edward on a business that i would fain see accomplished before i die that it may not be said that old george howard neglected his duty even in his last moments you see this weeping child at my side tell me young man do you love the maiden am i to be asked such a question exclaimed griffith and will you cherish her will you supply to her the places of father and mother will you become the fond guardian of her innocence and weakness griffith could give no other answer than a fervent pressure of the hand he had clasped i believe you continued the dying man for however he may have forgotten to inculcate his own loyalty worthy hugh griffith could never neglect to make his son a man of honour i had weak and perhaps evil wishes in behalf of my late unfortunate kinsman mr christopher dillon but they have told me that he was false to his faith if this be true i would refuse him the hand of the girl though he claimed the fealty of the british realms but he has passed away and i am about to follow him into a world where we shall but find but one lord to serve and it may have been better for us both had we more remembered our duty to him while serving the princes of the earth one thing further know you this officer of your congress well this mr barnstable i have sailed with him for years returned griffith and can answer for him as myself the veteran made an effort to rise which in part succeeded and he fastened on the youth a look of keen scrutiny that gave to his pallid features an expression of solemn meaning as he continued speak not now sir as the companion of his idle pleasures and as the unthinking associate commends his fellow but remember that your opinion is given to a dying man who leans on your judgment for advice the daughter of john plowden is a trust not to be neglected nor will my death prove easy if a doubt of her being worthily bestowed shall remain he is a gentleman returned griffith and one whose heart is not less kind than gallant he loves your ward and great as may be her merit he is deserving of it all like myself he has also loved the land that gave him birth before the land of his ancestors but that is now forgotten interrupted the colonel after what i have this day witnessed i am forced to believe that it is the pleasure of heaven that you are to prevail but sir a disobedient inferior will be apt to make an unreasonable commander the recent contention between you remember it not dear sir exclaimed griffith with general zeal twas unkindly provoked and it is already forgotten and pardoned he has sustained me nobly throughout the day and my life on it that he knows how to treat a woman as a brave man should then am i content said the veteran sinking back on his couch let him be summoned the whispering message which griffith gave requesting mr barnstable to enter the cabin was quickly conveyed and he had appeared before his friend deemed it discreet to disturb the reflections of the veteran by again addressing him when the entrance of the young sailor was announced the colonel again roused himself and addressed his wondering listener though in a manner much less confiding and familiar than that which he had adopted towards griffith the declarations you made last night relative to my ward the daughter of the late captain john plowden sir have left me nothing to learn on the subject of your wishes here then gentlemen you both obtain the reward of your attentions let that reverend divine 
here you pronounce the marriage vows while i have strength to listen that i may be a witness against ye in heaven should ye forget their tenor not now not now murmured cecilia oh ask it not now my uncle catherine spoke not but deeply touched by the tender interest her guardian manifested in her welfare she bowed her face to her bosom in subdued feeling and suffered the tears that had been suffering her eyes to roll down her cheeks in large drops till they bathed the deck yes now my love continued the colonel or i fail in my duty i go shortly to stand face to face with your parents my children for the man who dying expects not to meet worthy hugh griffith and honest jack plowden in heaven can have no clear view of the rewards that belong to lives of faithful service to the country or of gallant loyalty to the king i trust no one can justly say that i ever forgot the delicacy due to your gentle sex but it is no moment for idle ceremony when time is shortening into minutes and heavy duties remain to be discharged i could not die in peace children were i to leave you here in the wide ocean i had almost said in the wide world without that protection which becomes your tender years and still more tender characters if it has pleased god to remove your guardian let his place be supplied by those he wills to succeed him cecilia no longer hesitated but she arose slowly from her knees and offered her hand to griffith with an air of forced resignation catherine submitted to be led by barnstable to her side and the chaplain who had been an affected listener to the dialogue in obedience to an expressive signal from the eye of griffith opened the prayer-book from which he had been gleaning consolation for the dying master and commenced reading in trembling tones the marriage service the vows were pronounced by the weeping brides in voices more distinct and audible than if they had been uttered amid the gay crowds that usually throng a bridal for though they were the irreclaimable words that bound them for ever to the men whose power over their feelings they thus proclaimed to the world the reserve of maiden diffidence was lost in one engrossing emotion of solemnity created by the awful presence in which they stood when the benediction was pronounced the head of cecilia dropped on the shoulder of her husband where she wept violently for a moment and then resuming her place at the couch she once more knelt at the side of her uncle catherine received the warm kiss of barnstable passively and returned to the spot whence she had been led colonel howard succeeded in raising his person to witness the ceremony and had answered to each prayer with a fervent amen he fell back with the last words and a look of satisfaction shone in his aged and pallid features that declared the interest he had taken in the scene i thank you my children he at length uttered i thank you for i know how much you have sacrificed to my wishes you will find all my papers relative to the estates of my wards gentlemen in the hands of my banker in london and you will also find there my will edward by which you will learn that cicely has not come to your arms an unportioned bride what my wards are in persons and manners your eyes can witness and i trust the vouchers in london will show that i have not been an unfaithful steward to their pecuniary affairs name it not say no more or you will break my heart cried catherine sobbing aloud in the violence of her remorse at having ever pained so true a friend oh talk of yourself think of yourself we are unworthy at least i am unworthy of another thought 
the dying man extended a hand to her in kindness and continued though his voice grew feebler as he spoke then to return to myself i would wish to lie like my ancestors in the bosom of the earth and in consecrated ground it shall be done whispered griffith i will see it done myself i thank thee my son said the veteran for such thou art to me in being the husband of sicily you will find in my will that i have liberated and provided for all my slaves except those ungrateful scoundrels who deserted their master they have seized their own freedom and they need not be indebted to me for the same there is edward also an unworthy legacy to the king his majesty will deign to receive it from an old and faithful servant and you will not miss the trifling gift a long pause followed as if he had been summing up the account of his earthly duties and found them duly balanced when he added kiss me cicely and you catherine i find you have the genuine feelings of honest jack your father my eyes grow dim which is the hand of griffith young gentleman i have given you all that a fond old man had to bestow deal tenderly with the precious child we have not properly understood each other i had mistaken both you and mr christopher dillon i believe perhaps i may also have mistaken my duty to america but i was too old to change my politics or my religion i i i love the king god bless him his words became fainter and fainter as he proceeded and the breath deserted his body with this benediction on his livid lips which the proudest monarch might covet from so honest a man the body was instantly borne into a state-room by the attendants and griffith and barnstable supported their brides into the after-cabin where they left them seated on the sofa that lined the stern of the ship weeping bitterly in each other's arms no part of the preceding scene had been unobserved by Bolcrope, whose small hard eyes were observed by the young men to twinkle when they returned into the state apartment and they approached their wounded comrade to apologize for the seeming neglect that their conduct had displayed i heard you were hurt Bolcrope said griffith taking him kindly by the hand but as i know you are not unused to being marked by shot i trust we shall soon see you again on deck ay ay returned the master you'll want no spy-glasses to see the old hulk as you launch it into the sea i've had shot as you say before now to tear up my running gear and even to knock a splinter out of some of my timbers but this fellow has found his way into my bread-room and the cruise of life is up surely the case is not so bad honest david said barnstable you have kept afloat to my knowledge with a bigger hole in your skin than this unlucky hit has made ay ay returned the master that was in my upper works where the doctor could get at it with a plug but this chap has knocked away the shifting boards and i feel as if the whole cargo was broken up you may say that tourniquet rates me all the same as a dead man for after looking at the shot-hole he has turned me over to the parson here like a piece of old junk which is only fit to be worked up into something new captain munson had a lucky time of it i think you said mr griffith that the old gentleman was launched overboard with everything standing and that death made but one rap at his door before he took his leave his end was indeed sudden returned griffith but it is what we seamen must expect and for which there is so much the more occasion to be prepared the chaplain ventured to add in a low humble and perhaps timid voice the sailing-master looked keenly from one to the other as they spoke 
and after a short pause he continued with an air of great submission twas his luck and i suppose it is sinful to begrudge a man his lawful luck as for being prepared parson that is your business and not mine therefore as there is but little time to spare why the sooner you set about it the better and to save unnecessary trouble i may as well tell you not to strive to make too much of me for i must own it to my shame i never took learning kindly if you can fit me for some middling berth in the other world like the one i hold in this ship it will suit me as well and perhaps be easier to all hands of us if there was a shade of displeasure blended with the surprise that crossed the features of the divine at this extraordinary limitation of his duties it entirely disappeared when he considered more closely the perfect expression of simplicity with which the dying master uttered his wishes after a long and melancholy pause which neither griffith or his friend felt any inclination to interrupt the chaplain replied it is not the province of man to determine on the decrees of the merciful dispensations of the deity and nothing that i can do mr boltrope will have any weight in making up the mighty and irrevocable decree what i said to you last night in our conversation on this very subject must still be fresh in your memory and there is no good reason why i should hold a different language to you now i can't say that i logged all that passed returned the master and that which i do recollect fell chiefly from myself for the plain reason that a man remembers his own better than his neighbour's ideas and this puts me in mind mr griffith to tell you that one of the forty-twos from the three-decker travelled across the forecastle and cut the best bower within a fathom of the clinch as handily as an old woman would clip her rotten yarn with a pair of tailor's shears if you will be so good as to order one of my mates to shift the cable end for end and make a new bend of it i'll do as much for you another time mention it not said griffith rest assured that everything shall be done for the security of the ship in your department i will superintend the whole duty in person and i would have you release your mind from all anxiety on the subject to attend to your more important interests elsewhere why returned boltrope with a little show of pertinacity i have an opinion that the cleaner a man takes his hands into the other world of the matters of duty in this the better he will be fitted to handle anything new now the parson here undertook to lay down the doctrine last night that it was no matter how well or how ill a man behaved himself so that he squared his conscience by the lifts and braces of faith which i take to be a doctrine that is not to be preached on shipboard for it would play the devil with the best ship's company that was ever mustered oh no no dear mr boltrope you mistook me and my doctrine altogether exclaimed the chaplain at least you mistook perhaps sir interrupted griffith gently our honest friend will not be more fortunate now is there nothing earthly that hangs upon your mind boltrope no wish to be remembered to any one nor any bequest to make of your property he has a mother i know said barnstable in a low voice he often spoke of her to me in the night watches i think she must still be living the master who distinctly heard his young shipmates continued for more than a minute rolling the tobacco which he still retained from one side of his mouth to the other with an industry that denoted singular agitation for the man and raising one of his broad hands with the other he picked the worn skin from fingers which were already losing their brownish-yellow hue in the fading colour of death before he answered 
why yes the old woman still keeps her grip upon life which is more than can be said of her son david the old man was lost the time the susan and dorothy was wrecked on the back of cape cod you remember mr barnstable you were then a lad sailing on whaling voyages from the island well ever since that gale i have endeavoured to make smooth water for the old woman myself though she has had but a rough passage of it at the best the voyage of life with her having been pretty much crossed by rugged weather and short stores and you would have us carry some message to her said griffith kindly why as to messages continued the master whose voice was rapidly growing more husky and broken there never has been many compliments passed between us for the reason that she is not more used to receive them than i am to make them but if any one of you will overhaul the purser's books and see what there is standing here to my side of the leaf and take a little pains to get it to the old woman you will find her moored in the lee side of a house i ah, hear it is number ten cornhill boston i took care to get her a good warm berth seeing that a woman of eighty wants a snug anchorage at her time of life if ever i will do it myself david cried barnstable struggling to conceal his emotion i will call on her the instant we let go our anchor in boston harbour and as your credit can't be large i will divide my own purse with her the sailing-master was powerfully affected by this kind offer the muscles of his hard weather-beaten face working convulsively and it was a moment before he could trust his voice in reply i know you would dicky i know you would he at length uttered grasping the hand of barnstable with a portion of his former strength i know you would give the old woman one of your own limbs if it would do her service to the mother of a messmate which it would not seeing that i am not the son of a cannibal but you are out of your own father's books and it's too often shoal water in your pockets to help any one more especially since you have just been spliced to a pretty young body that will want all your spare coppers but i am master of my own fortune said griffith and am rich ay ay i have heard it said you could build a frigate and set her afloat all a taunt of without thrusting your hand into any man's purse but your own and i pledge you the honour of a naval officer continued the young sailor that she shall want for nothing not eyes the care and tenderness of a dutiful son Bolcroke appeared to be choking he made an attempt to raise his exhausted frame on the couch but fell back exhausted and dying perhaps a little prematurely through the powerful and unusual emotions that were struggling for Bolcroke appeared to be choking he made an attempt to raise his exhausted frame on the couch but fell back exhausted and dying perhaps a little prematurely through the powerful and unusual emotions that were struggling for utterance god forgive me my misdeeds he at length said and chiefly for ever speaking a word against your discipline remember the best bower and look to the slings of the lower yards and and he'll do it dicky he'll do it i'm casting off the fasts of life and so god bless ye all and give ye good weather going large or on a bowline the tongue of the master failed him but a look of heartfelt satisfaction gleamed across his rough visage as its muscles suddenly contracted when the faded lineaments slowly settled into the appalling stiffness of death griffith directed the body to be removed to the apartment of the master and proceeded with a heavy heart to the upper deck the alacrity had been unnoticed during the arduous chase of the frigate and favoured by daylight and her light draught of water she had easily effected her escape also among the mazes of the shoals she was called down to her consort by signal and received the necessary instructions how to steer during the approaching night the british ships were now only to be faintly discovered like white specks on the dark sea 
and as it was known that a broad barrier of shallow water lay between them the americans no longer regarded their presence as at all dangerous when the necessary orders had been given and the vessels were fully prepared they were once more brought up to the wind and their heads pointed in the direction of the coast of holland the wind which freshened towards the decline of the day hauled round with the sun and when that luminary retreated from the eye so rapid had been the progress of the mariners that seemed to sink in the bosom of the ocean the land having long before settled into its watery bed all night the frigate continued to dash through the seas with a sort of sullen silence that was soothing to the melancholy of cecilia and catherine neither of whom closed an eye during that gloomy period in addition to the scene they had witnessed their feelings were harrowed by the knowledge that in conformity to the necessary plans of griffith and in compliance with the new duties he had assumed they were to separate in the morning for an indefinite period and possibly for ever with the appearance of light the boatswain sent his rough summons through the vessel and the crew were collected in solemn silence in her gangways to bury the dead the bodies of boltrope of one or two of her inferior officers and of several common men who had died of their wounds in the night were with the usual formalities committed to the deep when the yards of the ship were again braced by the wind and she glided along the trackless waste leaving no memorial in the midst of the ever-rolling waters to mark the places of their sepulture when the sun had gained the meridian the vessels were once more hove to and the preparations were made for a final separation the body of colonel howard was transferred to the alacrity whither it was followed by griffith and his cheerless bride while catherine hung fondly from the window of the ship suffering her own scalding tears to mingle with the brine of the ocean after everything was arranged griffith waved his hand to barnstable who had now succeeded to the command of the frigate and the yards of the latter were braced sharp to the wind when she proceeded to the dangerous experiment of forcing her way to the shores of america by attempting the pass of the straits of dover and running the gauntlet through the english ships that crowded their own channel an undertaking however for which she had the successful example of the alliance frigate which had borne the stars of america along the same hazardous path but a few months previously in the meanwhile the alacrity steering more to the west drew in swiftly towards the shores of holland and about an hour before the setting of the sun had approached so nigh as to be once more hove into the wind in obedience to the mandate of griffith a small light boat was lowered into the sea when the young sailor and the pilot who had found his way into the cutter unheeded and almost unseen ascended from the small cabin together the stranger glanced his eyes along the range of coast as if he would ascertain the exact position of the vessel and then turned them on the sea and the western horizon to scan the weather finding nothing in the appearance of the latter to induce him to change his determination he offered his hand frankly to griffith and said here we part as our acquaintance has not led to all we wish let it be your task sir to forget we ever met griffith bowed respectfully but in silence when the other continued shaking his hand contemptuously towards the land had i but a moiety of the navy of that degenerate republic the proudest among those haughty islanders should tremble in his castle and be made to feel there is no security against a foe that trusts his own strength and knows the weakness of his enemy but he muttered in a lower and more hurried voice this has been like liverpool and whitehaven and edinburgh and fifty more it is past sir let it be forgotten without heeding the wondering crew who were collected as curious spectators of his departure the stranger bowed hastily to griffith and springing into the boat he spread her light sails with the readiness of one who had nothing to learn 
even in the smallest matters of his daring profession once more as the boat moved briskly away from the cutter he waved his hand in adieu and griffith fancied that even through the distance he could trace a smile of bitter resignation lighting his calm features with a momentary gleam for a long time the young man stood an abstracted gazer at his solitary progress watching the small boat as it glided towards the open ocean nor did he remember to order the head-sheets of the alacrity drawn in order to put the vessel again in motion until the dark speck was lost in a strong glare that fell obliquely across the water from the setting sun many wild and extraordinary conjectures were tittered among the crew of the cutter as she slowly drew in towards her friendly haven on the appearance of the mysterious pilot during their late hazardous visit to the coast of britain and on his still more extraordinary disappearance as it were amid the stormy wastes of the north sea griffith himself was not observed to smile nor to manifest any evidence of his being a listener to their rude discourse until it was loudly announced that a small boat was pressing for their own harbour across the forefoot of the cutter under a single lug sail then indeed the sudden and cheerful lighting of his troubled eye betrayed the vast relief that was imparted to his feelings by the interesting discovery End of chapter thirty four